0: We hear so much about charity and we want it and we believe in it, but have you ever felt intimidated by it or that it's out of reach? Hi, and welcome to Magnify, an LDS Living podcast where we cheer, inspire, and embolden each other as women and followers of Jesus Christ. We hope to use our influence to make a difference in the world. I'm your host, Katherine Davis, a mom, a seminary teacher, and a grilling enthusiast who loves God. As we continue in our pursuit of peace, one attribute that has felt like an all-encompassing attribute of a peacemaker is charity. We've all heard that charity is the pure love of Christ and that charity never fail it. But when we stop to think about what it really means, it can feel a little bit arbitrary. So let's talk about what is charity, how does it look in our everyday lives, and most importantly, how does charity lead to finding more peace in our lives? And I'm here with a friend and previous guest, Brooke Romney. I'm so excited you're here. Me too. It will be so fun. Yay. This is going to be a good conversation. But Brooke, because we have had you on as a guest before and we have done some rapid fire questions before, I want to do something a little different Okay. and play a little game with you called this or that. Okay. So I'm going to give you a couple of options and you tell me which one. Okay. Mountains or beach? Mountains. Books or movies? Books, like 6,000%. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I knew that was what you were going to say. Of course, right? It's, okay, but here's an interesting run. Road okay. trip or fly? Fly. You're like not in the car. <laughs> okay, <laughs>
1: savory or sweet? This is probably my hardest question, but probably sweet. Sweet probably sweet but it's a close tie i'm happy with all the treats and food so
0: i like when we can mix savory and sweet together in one item (laughs) i agree
1: i'll take that also
0: (laughs) shopping online or in the store
1: uh, i like shopping online but i also like going to the store i i think if, if i'm going by myself I like to go to the store and try stuff on if, if there are children with me shopping online <laughs> all the way. <laughs> so
0: true. Okay. Loud or quiet?
1: Mm, probably quiet as I've gotten older, louder when I was younger. Really?
0: Yeah. So in your house, loud or quiet? Oh, in my house, I
1: like a lot going on. So I choose yeah. loud, but like, I used to love to like pumping, like I used to like pump up the music and now I'm oh, like, yeah. my kids are like, mom, it's on a seven. Can you turn it up a little? So that's kind of what I was thinking for loud and quiet. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Pause
0: time or rewind time? Oh, um, give me a little example for that. So right now where you are in your life, do you, would you want to pause time oh. or would you want to rewind it to maybe when your kids were a certain age? Oh, I would pause. This is a fun stage. I would take this one. Okay. I love that. Yeah. I hope I can say pause at every stage. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It's Right? Yeah. I hope it just gets better. (laughs) Okay. So, Brooke, I'm so excited about this conversation we're going to have because like we've mentioned before, our community is spending the next six months talking about the attributes of a peacemaker. And the first one we want to start talking about is the attribute of charity. I'm just excited to kind of talk about the reality of it and not so much the idea of it. Does that make sense? Like we talk about this ideal, but like, what does that look like in our lives? There is a reason why we want to start there, though. And it's because President Nelson said this. He said charity is the antidote to contention. And I think when we often think of charity, our brains automatically go to things like service projects or that lofty ideal that charity never faileth. But I want to know, how would you describe charity? I love a stake
1: president of mine when I was in my early 20s. We were living out in Virginia and I was thinking about charity and I never really like defined it. And I always thought of charity as service to others. And when he stood up and gave us talk, he said, Charity is not the way we feel about others. It's not even the way we feel about God. Charity is the way God feels about us. and. I heard that definition, it's been over 20 years and it's stayed with me for this long because I thought it was the perfect way to help us understand what actually is charity. And when I think about charity being the way God feels about us, if it's the way God feels about me, it's also the way God feels about you and the person who's taking a really long time to get me my rental car last weekend and you know, the kid who's going through a tough time or... Whatever that is, it's the way God feels about his children.
0: So, has that definition changed the way you have interacted with different people?
1: When I'm at my best, it does. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. When I am trying to live a more godlike, a more peaceful, being a better disciple, that is how I try to live, where I see people with really generous eyes in the way that God would see them.
0: So you just mentioned at the really long line in the rental car last week, were you able to consciously think of that? Or was it not until after you thought, oh, maybe I should have been more charitable? (laughs) Well, I did a really good job for quite a while. And then
1: when he told me that I brought the wrong credit card because my husband had made the reservation online and I was going to need to call a phone number and step to the side after an hour and a half. I was not my best charitable (laughs) self. So both, I was feeling charity and then I was feeling remorse for not feeling as much charity.
0: (laughs) So does that ever feel intimidating to you? Like that definition of your stake president is how God feels about others. Does trying to take that view of others, does that ever feel intimidating?
1: I think anything
0: worth pursuing
1: feels intimidating. And so, yes, it feels intimidating because anything worthwhile, anything that's going to help us grow or become more like him is going to feel hard, especially in the beginning, especially during tough times, especially when we're not as in tune as we want to be. So absolutely, I think it feels intimidating because it should feel intimidating because it's big and it's hard and it's tons of work and effort and mindfulness and growth but just because something's intimidating doesn't mean that it's not worth pursuing for a long time in my life I, it was there was kind of like that perfectionist ideal that like if i couldn't get it right then it wasn't worth doing and i think with some age and experience it's like if you can't get it right then it's it's worth pursuing it you know then you keep going and so yes anything godlike is going to feel intimidating because none of us are even close to there yet.
0: So how on your day-to-day, how do you get past the intimidation? What does charity look like for you today or yesterday? I
1: think just being okay to be doing the best I can that day. I mean, legitimately I thought giving an hour and a half in a rental car line with charity was awesome. Like I I thought I did a really good job. And that losing it when I had to call a phone number was probably Rational? Was it my best? No, but it was probably rational. And then saying, like, and I'll do better next time. You know, I watched my cute 11 year old who was hungry be super patient. And I was inspired by his patience. He didn't get mad. He didn't ask me 200 times when we were going to go eat or how much longer it was going to take. He could kind of read the room and sense that this was something we couldn't really control or do anything about. And he just sat and, you know, he did ask me to play my phone, but being inspired by the other people that were in line and and doing it with grace and thinking I can I could do that, too. That's who I want to be. And so looking for inspiration and then also being okay with being human. You know, we all signed up for this and it's okay for us to be human and then try to do better next time.
0: Because I love how you just said that, because I think sometimes it's so easy to try to be charitable to others. But you just kind of described having charity for yourself that you did really well and then maybe not so well, Yeah, but to not get hung up on the not so well and maybe have charity for yourself that, hey, I'm just going to try a little bit more. I'm going to keep trying.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the point of the gospel and, and and why we're here. I always tell my kids who get frustrated when they're not good at something right away, would it be stranger for you to be awesome at something that you just tried? Or is it normal for you to not be good at it before you've tried it? And And I think That goes all the way into adulthood. Every time we try something new, every time we're pushed a little bit further than we can handle, you know, we gain a little more strength, a little more perspective and the ability to be
0: better next time. I love that definition of charity. And, you know, President Nelson used some strong words when he said charity is the antidote to contention. So how do you think that definition of charity that your stake president shared, how is that the antidote to contention?
1: Well, I have been doing a little study about Jesus Christ, because when I realized that charity is the way God sees us, I like details. I like, how does this look in my life? And we know that Christ and God in thought and purpose are one. And so being able to read about how Jesus Christ treated other people, and and my study was especially women, I have started to really understand what that looks like, like in the day to day, in the hard and trying to relate it to a situation I might have or a person I might know. And that's really helped me be able to get to the point where I say, okay, so in that situation, this is what charity would look like for me.
0: Let's dig a little deeper in that. So let's go into the scriptures and look at one of his interactions with some women and then maybe talk about how we can apply that to our lives, but. In particular, is there one woman, one interaction with a specific woman that stands out to you? It's hard to choose one, but one that's like maybe a little lesser known
1: that I was really struck by is in Luke. And it's the woman who's bent over. And this is just a really short interaction. But without her coming to him, without her asking, without there being like any big to do, he just noticed and healed her. He just helped her. He saw her, saw that she was bent over and said, like, she needs healing. And as I was reading about that story, I was just thinking about how easy it is for us not to notice, for us to just think that everything's fine and just not really taking the time to look up, look out, or even maybe just be willing to say, like, maybe I have a little bit of responsibility here. You know, he was like, I see her. I can do something about this. We can't always do things about what we see, but he saw a need and knew he could help. And it was really interesting because as I was studying this, my brother got called as a bishop and he, they have a young family. So they have five kids between the ages of three and 11. And he was just called to be bishop. And my sister-in-law was telling me how a counselor in the bishopric, that he had called his wife, called her up and just said, she, she's an empty nester, and she just said, This is going to be a lot for your family. And I want to take some of the burden. So I want you to give me one day a week that you want me to drive your carpools. And she's like, Oh, like that's that's too much. There's no way. And she's like, no, no, no. I want to do this for you. This is something I can do. I'm at the point in my life where I can help and I want to do it. So you tell me which day of the week you want me to drive your carpools and one weekend a month, I want to watch your kids so you guys can have a date night. And as I was reading this about Jesus, how he saw a need and fixed it. And then this awesome woman who saw a need and just said, I can, like, I can change the situation. Is that going to take away every burden of this woman? No. Is this going to take away every burden of this young family trying to serve? No. No. But can it relieve something? And I just loved both of those examples in my life right at the exact same time. It was inspiring for me to say, like, let me look around and let me actually do something. Not say, can I help or
0: call me if I can help? But like, what can I do for you? That's so good. Because I think we all ask that. Call me if you need anything or do you need anything? And the correct answer in church usually is when somebody says, do you need anything? we typically should say, no, I'm fine. Yeah. like Right? Like that seems to be... Right?
1: And honestly, my sister-in-law was fine. Like yeah. she could have figured stuff out. What I love about that is she just did it anyway. And and it was beautiful and how touching and how helpful. And, and maybe most weeks she could do that, but how nice for her to be like, okay, every Wednesday I can stay home and help with homework or every Wednesday, whatever it is, I can let my husband go to mutual and know that, I've prepared dinner because somebody else was driving the carpool or whatever that is. I just, I loved that
0: example. Well, I love that example too because she noticed. Yeah. That woman noticed. And what do you think are things in our life that keep us from noticing?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, like our phones, right, where it's easy to keep your head down and, and not even notice. I can't remember who spoke about it in conference. It's Michelle
0: Craig, yes. my sister.
1: Yes. Oh, now, yeah, you know that one for sure. But just how she said, like... Standing in line and yes. that man in front of... Yes. Who would have known? Like how great... and. And she would have left that situation and not even known that there was anything wrong with the way she'd done life, but because she'd noticed how incredible for both her and the man that she touched that day. So I think that can be a distraction. I think sometimes just our own like busyness, the own things that are going on. And I'm careful with this because those are legitimate things. And sometimes charity is starting first in your home and with yourself, like we talked about. Yeah. I think sometimes we get in a trap of thinking like that we're ha- we have to be the person that's going to take the carpool once a week and and provide a date night. But Michelle's example is so amazing because we can also like, it doesn't matter how busy I am. I can talk to the person in line if I feel like that is an appropriate way for me to show God's love. Or I can change the laundry for a teenage kid who is especially busy, right? Whatever that is, instead of being like, they never help. They're so annoying. You know, why do they think they're so busy? Instead of seeing them with my own eyes, I see them with God's eyes and say, yeah, when I was 16, I thought that this was really busy and I'm home. So how could I help them? How could I just take a little burden off their plate, even though maybe I do have more going on than they do? But how can I see them with God's eyes instead?
0: And I think that is creating a compassionate story in our mind about somebody else's behavior. It's easy to come home and when my sink is full of dishes or the house is a mess to be really frustrated. Yeah, it's really easy. And to grumble under my mouth and sigh and make everybody else in the house feel (laughs) terrible and uncomfortable. But if we're looking at that definition of charity, if we can walk in the house and maybe things are a mess or maybe things aren't perfect, if we can look at it through God's eyes, doesn't that change us most importantly?
1: A hundred percent. And I even think... It doesn't mean that you have to do all the work yourself, right? But you walking in and being angry and mad is different than you walking in and saying, hey, has everyone been so busy today? Like, have you had such a busy day or have you had such a fun day? Whatever that is, like, everyone come give me 15 minutes. Let's get the house picked up. You know, sometimes I think we do get caught a little bit in either I'm nice all the time, you know, right? Charity, I'm, I'm nice all the time, which means I never have any expectations for anyone ever. Or, I mean, with big expectations, and I think it's a really tricky ground to be in between. But as we even look at Jesus, he had a lot of things he asked his disciples to do. He had a lot he asked the women in his circle to do, but he did it with love and with charity whenever he did. And when people fell short, he corrected and lifted them up instead of correcting and pushing him down. And I think that's something that we can really get behind, whether it's with friends or parents or kids. We don't have to be afraid of asking them to to pitch in or to be a part of something. And we can correct because that's necessary. But instead of correcting and, and making them feel less than, we correct and bring them up.
0: Can you think of a time or an example where the Savior did just that? Yes.
1: One of the times that I'm thinking is the woman that was taken in adultery. And I think he is such an example for for a few reasons. Some of them are very obvious, right? Stopping the stones and saving her. But one that just really struck me in my recent study was the fact that he just changed the conversation for her. And I think that we all either have been the people where rumors are being spread or things are being talked about or someone we love has been in that spot or someone we don't know at all has been in that spot. And I love the Savior's example of deflecting that attention when you know things are hard. And and the things could very well be true, right? Sometimes we think we'll really stand up for the people who aren't guilty of whatever that is. But I love that she was guilty and he knew she was guilty. He still like took that burden from her and redirected the conversation and took the spotlight off her. And sometimes that's what people need. And that is so charitable to me. So whether it's rumors that are going around about someone or speculation, redirecting that conversation, being unwilling to participate in it or dig deeper. I had someone that asked me recently online, I have a manners book, and one of them was Stop the Gossip. And someone said, what's the difference between gossip and sharing information, right? And that's something that I think about a lot. And so I gave a couple examples of, so these are for teenagers. So I said, One of your friends, her boyfriend breaks up with her. Gossiping is telling everyone about it. And she actually wasn't, he was too good for her anyway. And I'm, I don't, I don't blame him. She flirts with other guys anyway. And, you know, the other option is saying, Hey, Jane's boyfriend just broke up with her to some close friends. Let's go get ice cream. Let's take her out tonight. Like she's going to be feeling down. Both are telling people that something happened. One has a gossip way of like putting all of the spotlight on her and making it mean and unkind. And the other one is as God would do, right? Let's rally around this person. Let's love this person. Let's bring this person up. And so sometimes, you know, it's nice to look at that and say, okay. What am I doing in this situation? Am I making it worse for this person or am I making it better?
0: And Christ has a way of, in our vulnerability, I love how you said that deflecting the, the conversation, but also lifting us and asking us to be better and do better. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. With the woman taken in adultery, he deflected that conversation. He showed compassion and gentleness and kindness in her vulnerability. And then he also invited her to live a holier way. And what I love about that invitation
1: is he knew who she was before, and he still invited her to live a holier way. And we don't know what happened after. I mean, you're a scriptorian. Maybe you know what happened and I've never caught on. But we don't know if she walked away and was holy. We don't know what she did my thought is that if jesus ever ran into her again regardless of what he she had chosen he would have shown that same type of compassion and love and invitation like i think sometimes we think he said go and sin no more and then she went off and lived this awesome life well we don't know yeah and sometimes i think we want to know we want to like save that person and be better and you know deflect all that you know negative energy and and rumors but like we want to do it and know that that person because of that is actually going to like go and and be better. But he had no guarantee of that and neither do we. And we're still asked to be charitable, right? To do whatever we can in our position to make that person feel a little bit of God's love
0: in the moment they need it most. And it's because that is who he is. When we talk about charity It's becoming like Jesus Christ because that's who Christ is. I love when President Nelson went on to say this. He said, as you demonstrate the charity that true followers of Jesus Christ manifest, the Lord will magnify your efforts beyond your loftiest imagination. And that promise is something that I have to hold on to because I am not always charitable, shockingly. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah. Join the club, right? Right. And so I just want to ask you, do you feel like God has magnified your efforts? Oh,
1: absolutely. And I was talking to a friend recently who is going through really hard things with her kids. They are uh, mostly all adult kids. and, And we were friends when we were much younger talking about small problems. And I haven't seen her in a long, long time and as she was going down the list of things that are going on with these awesome kids like my jaw was just dropped because of what she is dealing with as a mom and the heartache that parents feel when things are difficult for their children and she probably shared six or seven things with me one of those truly could knock anyone out of of the game and there she was still showing up and still loving and getting through the days, and with so much love. And she's like, I never imagined that I could do this. I never imagined. If you would have told me 15 years ago, I would have said, oh, I I could never handle that. I could never get through that. And she's doing six of those things right now and doing it. And that is what adding the Savior into the equation can do for us. I have such a testimony that he can make The most difficult things, so sweet. One of my favorite scriptures is All things will work together for your good. And anytime I'm in a situation that feels really tricky, I ask him to help me understand how this can work for our good. And that is what happens when we add him to the hard times. I cannot believe what this woman is doing with so much love and perspective and kindness, where most people would say if they weren't going through it. like i would tap out you know like wow. i would i would just be done but it is so so inspiring to watch her do that and as i watch her do that i feel the same way where i'm like i could do that i could handle something that difficult watching a friend go through pretty traumatic cancer with her 12 year old son we all say i don't know i don't think i could do that but she's doing it is it ugly and hard and difficult but she shares the most beautiful glimmers of hope with what she's experiencing with her son, but with also the nurses and the other kids at the children's hospital. And he can make really difficult things good. I think that's another part of what charity is, right? When we invite him in, he helps us see not just people, but also situations with
0: that same eye of charity. And ourselves. Yeah. Right? Like he helps us see ourselves in those hard, difficult moments. I fully believe that Christ can magnify our charity. And even in those hard days, I just know as a teacher, sometimes I feel a little depleted. And I remember specifically, I was teaching an English class many, many years ago before I had my first daughter. And I was teaching this class in a lower income area. And I had some students who were really hard and threw things at me and got in fights. And the cops were coming in and out of the class to take them to juvie and detention. And it was just a really difficult class. And one Friday, I went out to the parking lot to get into my car and my car was gone. They had stolen my car. (laughs) I sat on the curb and I cried and I called my husband and I said, you have to come pick me up. They stole my car. And we got in the car and I told him, I'm quitting. Mm-hmm. I'm quitting on Monday. And he said, Catherine, you need to pray about it. And that just made me mad. I was like, I don't need to pray about <laughs> right. it. Right. <laughs> so we got to school. I had set an appointment with the principal to quit. We got to school. And on that Monday morning, I remember sitting in the front of that class and it was crazy and mayhem. And I just thought, whatever. Like I'm quitting. Do what you want. You don't care what I say anyway. And then I just remembered my cute husband's words, pray about it. And so I just said this prayer, Heavenly Father, if you need me to stay, I need it, I need to know why. And I remember looking up, and it's the first time anything like this has really happened to me in this way. I remember looking up and I saw these faces in a way that I can't describe. I felt like I was looking at them through God's eyes. And I saw and felt how much He loved them, and I knew I needed to stay. And it wasn't easy, and they didn't change their behavior quickly, but I knew I needed just to love them, and He increased my capacity. And I ask for that every day. Every day when I go into the classroom or when I interact with my kids, when they're making me frustrated, or I just say, Heavenly Father, can you help me see them through your eyes? and he does. Mm. And it rejuvenates me and I feel love instead of frustration and anger. Not all the time, yeah, but a lot of the time. That's what it looks like for me. I love that. What a cool experience to have. As we keep thinking about charity and this antidote to contention, I love when President Nelson says this, we have the power to change the world one interaction at a time. And I just want to know what you think that means, because I don't think he's talking about the big things, but he's talking about like one interaction. And how do you think one interaction changes the world?
1: Well, it's so simple in so many ways. And I have had so many experiences just personally of that. The other day, a friend, her mom passed away about six or seven months ago, and it was her birthday. And her mom always took her shopping on her birthday. That was just something they always did and she was feeling really sad about just like just it's a, just another reminder that she's gone and and not going to be there. And one of her friends just texted her the night before and said, "Hey, I know your mom always takes you shopping on your birthday. Let's go. Let's go tomorrow." As she shared that experience with me, it was so inspirational. I wasn't even part of the experience, but just it being shared with me, I was like, "Okay, how could I make sure that somebody in my life knows that they're loved?" and that they're seen. And it was created such a ripple effect. And I did something like way smaller than that. I just sent a text, letting somebody know how grateful I was for them and for their influence in my life. And you know, they texted back and just said, that was exactly what I needed. Sometimes you just don't know if it matters, you know. And so I don't know, I don't know if that created a ripple for her. But I'm hoping that maybe that made her feel a little lighter that day, or like what she was doing was purposeful or needed. I think we underestimate often the influence that we can have in one small interaction each day. And even I love sharing about it. I love that my friend told me about that because I was in a little bit of a selfish space, end of the year, you know, no time for anything extra. And as she shared that, I was like, "No, No, no, this is why we're here, right? This is why we're here is to help people feel God's love for them. And so what can I do? And and it wasn't taking somebody who was shopping. It was like a
0: two-minute text. But it was something I could do. Because that is what could fit into your life right now. Yeah. But sometimes it's more of the attitude of charity, right? It doesn't have to be, <laughs> be in big ways. But these small interactions, I think they add up. And I just remember once I was having a really bad day just about a month ago. It was hard. And at the end of the long day, I went into my gas station to get my Diet Coke because I needed it. I felt, And so I walked into the gas station and got my Diet Coke. And the attendant gave me this little card that said, Oh, somebody already bought it for you. And it was this pay it forward card. And I thought, Okay, that is a little thing. But what can I now do to pay it forward? And it totally changed that day change the interaction with my kids when I walked into the door and with my husband. And I I think you're right. We don't understand the power of the ripple effect, but I believe my kids were able to then go out that night and my husband, they were able to interact with more charity to others because I was more charitable with them.
1: I love that. We had another experience where one of my kids like broke something and... They were really nervous to tell my mom that they had broken something and she just came with such love. Okay, like I'll check it out when I get there. Not a big deal. And, you know, they may still have to pay for it. Doesn't mean there aren't consequences, but the reaction was so charitable. It was so kind. It wasn't, why would you do that? Or that was, sounds like you were doing something dumb or whatever. It was just so kind. And as I watched her react that way, I was like, okay, like I'm inspired, right? I'm inspired to react with kindness. I'm inspired to react with love. I'm inspired to react thinking like,
0: you know, people are just people. Sometimes we make mistakes and that's that's okay, you know? So when you are able to do that, respond with charity and look at people through God's eyes, how does that bring more peace into your life? I think
1: that anytime we are out of alignment with ourselves, right? Anytime we are acting differently than we know we should, we have a hard time finding peace. So I've yet to meet the person that blows up at the referee and walks away thinking, ah, glad I did that. That felt so good. You know, you walk away, you're a little sheepish. That wasn't exactly who you wanted to be. Or the person who, you know, is just feeling it that day and and nothing's going right and you're hard on everyone in your home and and bothered and mad, it's hard to go to bed thinking like that was a great day. So as we see people with God's eyes, as we act with charity, we cannot help but feel more peace and contentment because it's who God wants us to be. And and when we're doing that, I think that it feels good. I love the way God created us. When we do good, it feels good. And when we don't, there's a rub inside because we're going against who we are. We're going against those values. And it's hard to feel happy and content and peaceful when we're not being the person that we know we could be. I think sometimes that's why it's hard for teens to feel happy and peaceful is because it's a time in their life where they're trying out different Versions of themselves. And sometimes that version isn't exactly who they know they should be. And it makes them feel less peaceful. And so the more often we're in alignment with who
0: God knows we can be, the better we feel. And the more often we can understand that about teens or anybody else in our life, the more charitable we can be. Yes. Yes.
1: There's one other example that I wanted to bring up. When Christ was on the cross, he asked others to take care of his mom because he couldn't. That was also such an example of charity is that sometimes we can't. Sometimes we truly have all we can handle in our lives. But him asking others to rally and to take care of those he loved, I think sometimes we look past that as being charitable. We think that that is like when we do it, we think that that's not being charitable, that we're slackers or we, we, we're not capable enough or we don't have enough capacity. But sometimes that's what charity means, is bringing other people into the story, asking other people to rally with you, asking for help. Sometimes that's charity, saying, I cannot do this by myself. I cannot figure this out alone. That, like That is the way God sees us too right? He knows that we only have so much to give. He knows that we only know so much. And I think the way he sees us is that he would like us to ask for the help that we need, to ask for the support that we need, to turn to others and say, this is something I can't do alone. Can you help me? And I don't think we see that side very often, but that is seeing ourselves and seeing others through God's eyes. That the plan was never that we should do this all alone, but that we should bring others into into our circle, into our horseshoe and and let them be a part of us being able to live a godlike life.
0: Well, it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning. It's in noticing. yes, yes. and and Christ noticed, and he knew, and just because maybe our plates are full and we're feeling overwhelmed ourselves, like your friend that you mentioned earlier we can still notice the needs of others and and the asking. I like that idea of thinking of asking for help for me or for somebody else is still charity because I'm not closing myself off in my pain and in my trial, but I'm opening myself up to the love of the Savior. Yeah,
1: and sometimes and often that love comes through other people. And I think so much time we're like, we, we think of charity as like, Give, 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 give. But when we see it as like living like God lives, you know, interacting as God interacts, like there were plenty
0: of times where Jesus asked for help. Lots, lots and lots. And you know, ask for help for others. I love that part yes. of it. Because yes. I might notice a need of somebody, a neighbor or a friend, and maybe I can't fill that need myself, but I can try and find somebody who can. Yeah.
1: Yeah, especially I think I get a lot of messages from moms who are working. And it feels like, especially if they've gone back to work later, and they're like, I used to be this person, and I cannot be that person. And I feel the same way. And so getting to that point where you're like, I mean, I used to be able to spend eight hours looking for others needs to fill. And I can't do that anymore. And it feels like, well, then, am I charitable? Am I kind? Am I involved in my neighborhood or whatever? And so really like opening up that idea to like, yeah, I... I'm no longer a mom with young kids, but if there's a mom with young kids that's lonely, like I can let another mom know in my ward that like looks like she's lonely, you know, whatever. And and I don't have to I always thought I had to be the person in order for me to fulfill all the, you know, check all the boxes.
0: And it's like that's just not the way it goes. So Well, isn't that such the powerful lesson? Yeah. Right? That Christ asks his apostles to look after his mom. I'm sure he could as well. Right. Right. It's not like he doesn't have the power to do it. Yes. I think of that so much like God doesn't need me. Right. He doesn't need me to gather Israel and to gather Zion like he doesn't. Right. But he's allowing me to be a part of it because I need it. He doesn't need it. I need it. Totally. Yeah. Well, Brooke, we love to end every conversation with a small and simple challenge Something that we can do throughout the week. And so I want to ask you, what is your small and simple challenge for us this week? Something that we can do to bring more charity into our lives that will lead to more peace? Well, I'm going to go really
1: simple with this one. So the next time you are in a line this week, anytime, I want you to think about doing something that is charitable. So that might be paying for someone's drink in front of you. That might be starting a conversation with the person behind you. That might be using the time to text somebody that you're grateful for them. But the next time you're in line this week, I want you to use the opportunity to exercise charity.
0: And I want to hear what people do. Like, where? What, yeah. what do they see around them? Because that's going to inspire me to think, oh, yes, I can do that. I can do this in a line or I can do that. So we want people to share and and help inspire all of us. Perfect. I love it. Brooke, thank you so much for being here. It was so fun to talk to
1: you. Thank you. Loved the conversation. I love the topic and it really gets me thinking.
0: You guys, this conversation was so good, and I loved Brooke's stake president's definition of charity, that it is seeing others through God's eyes, and that really simple interactions have more impact and influence than we can possibly imagine. And sometimes charity means asking for help. Thanks for being here and hop on over to Instagram at magnify community for more inspiration and conversation. And of course, subscribe and listen to the magnify podcast, wherever you get your shows. Let's meet up again next week.